Welcome to Style Section, the Wise Guy Podcast. I'm Dan. And I'm Sheila. <sighs> that was an exaggerated stage sigh. Because, <laughs> you know, given how much we love Wise Guy and given how much we, you know, how we feel, just how important Wise Guy is. Like, not just a great show, but an important show in a lot of ways. Both what it did for television and both with the messages it was willing to put on the air at a time when that was a daring thing to do. Still kind of a daring thing to do today. I mean, we got Mr. Robot, but that's about it for anti-capitalist television. You know, the most popular show in America is, seriously, this is, this is true. In America right now is a show about a bunch of white ranchers who are desperate to hold on to the land that their grand great-grandparents stole from, you know, the native population 150 years ago. Like, that's the plot of the show. <laughs> I'm like, I wonder why she's not watching Yellowstone. Ain't hard to figure out. Show about those greedy natives trying to steal white people's land. And then you just want to scream at the whole world forever. Yes, as you can tell, I am not watching Yellowstone. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, but anyway, like I tried watching the first, I tried watching the first episode. And I'm like, okay, so uh, the two villains of the show are bankers who want to like, you know, take all their land and build uh, McMansions everywhere. And then, uh, and then the, the natives who want their land back. It's like, no, only the white people who want to keep a pristine open wilderness are the heroes. Who just want a bunch of empty space that they and only they get to look at. That's your heroes. Well, the only thing that as far as I'm concerned oh. kind of deals, deals halfway reasonably with the issue is that Half-hour comedy starring Ed Helms. Rutherford yeah, that's a good Falls. show. Oh, my God. Rutherford Everybody Falls? Everybody should do. Wow. Rutherford Falls, yes. Yeah, Rutherford Falls. And it's Everybody just like, here are all of the tensions being presented honestly and with a surprisingly great amount of humor. Yes. Like, here are the, like, here are the actual issues. Here are the problems with it. Here are the different sides. Here are the conflicts. And it still manages to do it honestly and sensitively. And it's funny. Like, and it is so wow. funny. So yeah, um, our, our attempts to do you know anything to not talk about these three episodes of Wise Guy <laughs> are proceeding apace. So let's just get into it. Oh my God. <laughs> <sighs> All right. What, what is the first one even called? Oh, look, it look it up. Come on. Oh, you're going to make me look it <laughs> up. I am going to make you look it up. What was the first one even called? So while she's okay. looking up the title, uh, the plot of the episode is Michael doesn't want to join the FBI. Uh, Frank's like, you want to join the FBI? And Michael's like, I don't think so. Uh, right? Yeah. And he's uh, not at all, what do you call it? He's, uh, he's not at all interested in the FBI. He just wants to go and find a regular job. But how's he going to do that when he is known to be, you know, a guy who worked for, a, like, the second in command of a major drug smuggler, which is not that far from the position Vinny's in, right? And, you know, it's like him being known as a bad guy around town. And honestly, 
okay. I mean, I don't think, I know this is crazy, but I don't think that's going to be that big news in New York. You know, like all of this happened in Miami. Like when Sonny Steelgrave went down, like as, as they showed, uh, it was, he was an unindicted co-conspirator, which is a term they use a lot here, uh, quite understandably. And he was like fifth paragraph. And yeah. that, that was relatively big news because, you know, the big guys had gone down. But Michael Santana, you know, is a guy who worked for, I mean, he might have been his heir apparent, but is fundamentally, he's a guy wor- who worked for Guzman for about six weeks, you know, <laughs> right at the end. And then everything went down. And honestly, I don't know that Guzman's takedown would be that, you know, big of a deal. And they're like, well, no, it's the drug kingpin. Uh, that's... But Michael Santana is never believed to have worked for that guy. No. In fact, you know? he tried to take him down. He tried to, te- he tried to take him down previously. He testified against him in court. And then he, at the last minute, you know, didn't say anything because his girlfriend was threatened. But, like, I just, I don't believe that it would be front page news, as we're being told, that Michael Santana didn't go to jail. I'm like, really? I feel like New York has bigger things to talk about. Oh, well, this this show has just taken such a dive into no man's land. Yeah. Anyway, the first one is called Point of No Return. The second one is called Dead Rights. The third one is Changing called Changing Houses. Houses. Yeah, okay. Yes. That one I knew because it's actually central to the episode. All right. Uh, so, yes, he, uh, he, so he goes to see his never-before-mentioned sister, who, <laughs> <laughs> who, in an amazing coincidence, live in New York. Like, what a happy coincidence that a guy he met in the Marines uh, was a New Yorker and married his sister and took them to New like, took his sister to oh, New I York. Think he, I think they went to high school together. They went to school Oh, you're together. right. No, you're right. Yeah, you're right. They went to high school together. Yeah, he used school. to, he just used to live in Miami, despite having a very thick New York accent. <laughs> and doesn't look... He's not, I mean, there's plenty of white people, uh, yeah, there's plenty of white people down in uh, uh, Florida. That's not the issue. The issue is, no. this guy's got one hell of a New York accent for a guy who supposedly grew up in Miami and went to school with Michael down there. But anyway, yeah, so that, that was felt a little on the preposterous side. Oh, that... I know. He's suddenly oh, wow. got family to look out for, and his sister, and his sister's pregnant. She doesn't want him in the house because she's under enough stress that it is without her crook of a brother hanging around, right? And so he's like, okay, I'll go uh, find some, you know, hovel to have a dive in. But instead he goes to see Hillary, uh, who is trying to decide whether to, uh, you know, whether to go into her mother's law firm or not, right? Oh, and meanwhile, the thing that's going on with his brother-in-law is that his brother-in-law is studying to become a detective sergeant in the NYPD. And yes. Continue? No, I was just going to say, I, w- I was just going to say, all of a sudden I'm going, yeah, but we, we didn't talk about the horrible opening. <laughs> what horrible it, opening? Well, no, I mean, you said that he offered him the job. Yeah, and, and he didn't want to take it, but you didn't say. I mean, the acting is so bad. In oh, this. it's a terrible I, scene. Like I, I just wanted to blow past it. But if you want to talk okay. about how awful the scene is, with like Frank making his speech about the good he can do and blah blah blah, and I'm like, oh, well, it's not, and him being drunk and throwing a bottle in the in I the know. Garbage. 
again. And it was just like, like, it's so, <laughs> it's so bad. Well, no, but it's like, it's so, con it's both, it's, it's this weird, safe kind of self-destructive. Because he's like, he's angry and he's frustrated and he doesn't want any part of this life anymore. But it's like, I don't know. I feel like you should be more distraught over your fiance getting murdered than anything else. But that barely comes up. Like, yeah, well, to, to a ridiculous extent, it barely comes up at yeah, all. Yeah, well, he sure takes up with Hillary pretty fast. Well, yeah, we'll talk about that in the next episode. <laughs> but it's like you're watching this episode and you're like, this this just laughable scene where he's trying to be completely broken down. But, you know, they need him to get right back on the ball. They need the audience to not think of him as a bad guy. So it's like, really, he's not that broken up about all of this stuff. <laughs> They they do show the picture uh, when he finds her drowned. Yeah, no, they do, they do. But it's like, I just like, like, okay, so let's go back to the brother. Yeah. So the brother, uh, just as the sister is going into labor, the brother who's a cop mysteriously disappears after talking about how they got no money. And I mean the the fact that the difficulty of living a middle class life in the late eighties, early nineties on one income is uh, a theme here, right? That is what the characters are all concerned about. Like as he says, we were barely scraping by, but then she started having a troubled pregnancy, and so she couldn't work for six months, and suddenly, you know, we're up to our neck in debt, and we're not going to survive unless I become a sergeant. Yeah. And so he's very excited to try and do that, uh, to like try and get the, his uh, sergeant's exam, get his badge and, you know, uh, get his gold badge and start moving up in the world. And then he mysteriously disappears and his, uh, his patrol car is left under a bridge and there's, uh, you know, a box full of money and some blood on it. And we're like, oh my God, is he corrupt? Was he murdered? Blah, 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 blah. And so now it becomes a hunt for everybody trying to find this cop before something even, like, whatever bad happened to him, before something even worse happens to him. And, oh my God. And when we get to what happened. All right, so, uh, like, I, mean, I, I don't know how, where you want to go. She has the baby. Michael Santana has to be the one to in tell the delivery her about room that. with her. I know. Because, because he, they can't find him. Yep, and um, the the cops are clearly not, um, you know, forthcoming about what's and going on. Tries yeah, to get information. They don't want to talk to him, and he's got to go to Frank. And of course, this is obviously Frank. Of course, doesn't even he's he's very nice to uh, send a, a, like give him the information, but it's like, and he doesn't play too hard. The you know you don't actually work for me card, which yeah. is you know very nice well, of Frank well, to do that. But remember, he also calls Hillary and, and gets her to come in to try and try yep. and get some uh, stuff. And uh, then he meets the little the little kid who saw it all go down. Yep. And the guys who took the car or the guys, you know. Well, yeah, because like a kid, um, one kid, try, you know, showed up and they were seeing the money and seeing the abandoned cop car. And so they grabbed one of them and are just going to accuse because they're New York cops. They're like, well, we're just going to put you in jail for killing this cop. And we don't care if you did it or not. Because, again, they're New York cops. Uh, if, if they can find a brown person to throw in jail, they're just going to do that. You know? That's yeah, that just how they are. And he's a 13-year-old kid. Oh, yeah. Know? He's a 13-year-old kid. So it's like they're, they're getting into the injustice of this a little. 
Well, but, but there's but there's no like there's these little bits like they're trying to make, give you messages within some kind of a bizarre context that doesn't work. Yeah. That's all I can say. You know, so he ends up talking to the brother in Spanish and so therefore, and he finds out that they saw these two guys. So he goes to look for these two guys. Well, nobody's had anything to do with this guy. The cop was already gone when they found the car. The, car. And the money. Why they didn't take the money? I don't know. Well, no, because they had just got there. Like the the five kids had just got to the cop car when the other cops show up oh, and yeah. run them off. So they did just didn't have time to take the money. It's not like they didn't want to take the money. They just didn't have time to. Time because, to take the yeah, money. Exactly. So anyway. So anyway. So he goes and he pretends to be a, uh, a South American gangster to threaten, right, to threaten the local mobsters and say what happened to this cop. And they, he gets told that it's like, well, you know, nothing was supposed to happen. We were just, and so the, the guy gives up his men for Michael to uh, attack because, as he says, you know, it's like, I'm, you know, I'm representing Colombia here, and if I don't like what I hear from you guys, maybe you're not getting uh, cut into the well, next drug shipment. Uh, then, of course, that that's and, and it's it's a, a a little bit of Tony Rosario, so that's okay. Yep. Canadian. Tony Rosato. Uh, Rosato. Yeah, from uh, uh, anyway. from SCTV. Yeah, it was yeah. great anyway. seeing him. Yeah, it was great seeing him. You know, and he and that's when he finds out that there's all this corruption that that they pay the cops a thousand bucks for a corner, a thousand bucks a week to, not to license a corner and not get hassled to sell. Yeah. Yeah. So that's when he finds out about the corrupt corruption and then he thinks his brother-in-law is dead, but, but uncle Mike comes through. Yeah. With, uncle Mike just finds out that, Oh no, I just tracked his credit card and he's, it's being used as a hotel. So they he all, is, yeah. And they all assume like some guy has killed him and is using his credit card, but no, he's just hiding out. Yeah, uh, he's just hiding out because he uh, he flunked the sergeant's exam, and so he's never going to have enough money. So he had to become a corrupt cop because that's the only way to make any money in this city. And then he couldn't go through with it. And then yeah, and then he chickened out and he tried to run the gangsters off. And it's like it's all just so preposterous. <laughs> oh, you just sit there. Okay, so this is what it is come to. Right? Okay, this is this is the show now. Yeah, this, this is, is the, the show, show now. now? Yeah. Oh my God! This is the show. You know, this, okay, is, yeah. this is taking us back to the. You well, it's like you're watching an episode of Hunter. You know, yeah, <laughs> like, you know that yeah, is the level of show we're talking about here, and it's like, I'm for not saying, who, yeah, I'm not saying there's not an audience for that, but the audience for Wise Guy ain't going to be watching Hunter. You know. <laughs> Well, no, we did watch Hunter, but... Yeah, but it's not like we thought it was good. Yeah, that was before Wise Guy. Before we know what good television could look like. And it wasn't good. No, it wasn't good. It was just, you know, a softer, dirty Harry for television. That's all it was. And (laughs) it's a lot of fun, but it ain't ain't good. You know, it's not Magnum P.I. No, Magnum, um, yes. That, that was legitimately a good TV show. But anyway, yes, the point is... It is still, the remake of Magnum is probably one of the best remakes they've done ever oh, done. Oh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Yeah. I enjoy so, the, anyway, the Let's Magnum. get back to this. This, though, but all's well that ends well. And they and they run a sting to get they the... They run to the corrupt cop played by Mike Starr. And you're watching it. Or no, Bo Starr, his brother, Bo Starr. Yeah. And you're watching it and you're like, that's it, that's all... 
They had uh, they had to resolve everything, and like, and especially when he's like, "What is the whole?" And Mike's, Michael's like, "Is the whole precinct corrupt?" And he's like, "No, it's just like a dozen guys." But they're not, you know, they'll never let me forget it, and I won't survive if I try and uh, turn on the cops. And so he turns in the other cops, and I guess he gets his promotion. And then we see a bunch of cops harassing oh, him outside of his... Remember. Yes. Okay, now, 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 now let's, just, let's just do this in the proper Please. order. He says he can't go, but then he agrees, he agrees to do it. Yeah. And, the, and his boss, because it's the chief, of, the chief of that particular precinct that is corrupt and running yeah. the corruption. The, the Bo Star character. So he, he that, yeah. checks him for a wire. Well, he doesn't have a wire. Well, he doesn't need a wire. They've, they've, they've obviously wired the whole place. Yeah, exactly. For their meeting. And um, so they, they catch him. And then he gets harassed by these, by these a couple oh, of the other corrupt by cops. By all the corrupt cops. But it turns maybe, out. Honestly, course, maybe even the regular cops. <laughs> or the ones because that's well, the thing it's like the regular cops look the other way and were, support the corrupt cops those are the other the, those are the other corrupt cops because now wait a sec but you have to understand that that the chief of this particular captain precinct, is the word you're looking for captain yes of this particular precinct actually faked the results of the sergeant's oh, yeah. exam his brother-in-law had actually passed show else well that ends well and then they they show the baptism scene yeah. And, you know, so Michael, and they call the baby Michael, and he's baptized. So obviously some weeks have gone by. Uh, not that we have any idea of that. Yeah. Um, We're just cutting but, ahead. Uh, it doesn't matter because, you know, you, you, it doesn't, doesn't matter. So he and his niece are um, the God, godfather and the godmother. Yep, and they renounce, you know, Satan renounce and all Satan, his, all his works, blah 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 blah, blah 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 blah, and everything is all's well that ends well. And he goes outside and talks to Frank. And ah, you're forgetting and, something though. You're forgetting oh, something though. Oh ah, no, all the cops, all the other exactly, cops all the in. other cops. And this is my point. It's some of the same cops who were yelling at him. Oh, okay. That's yeah. my point. It wasn't well, yeah, the corrupt cops. No, wait, wait. My point is, it's not the corrupt cops who were yelling at him outside of his house for being a rat. It's the same cops who show up at his baptism to say no hard feelings. My point is, the non-corrupt cops, supposedly non-corrupt, were angry at him for turning in corrupt cops. Yeah. And I think well, it's anyway. worth pausing and mentioning that. That the show just, well, like, glosses over that really quickly. Well, yes, but... But my, my, my thought wasn't that, and I didn't look that closely, and I'm just going, yes, but they didn't have the budget to get new extras. Doesn't matter. Doesn't <laughs> matter if it was an, a production accident. The message is still there that the, it was the unacceptable thing he did was turning in corrupt cops. Yeah. That's why they were mad at him. And it's like, it doesn't matter if they just couldn't afford more extras. That <laughs> creates an implication. Yes, it does create an implication. Never mind all's well that ends well. Well, yeah, but all's well that ends well is a corrupt organization has welcomed him back into their arms. That ain't, that ain't much of a happy ending. But anyway, so yes, he goes outside. Michael show? goes outside and agrees to uh, work for the, with the FBI, like become an FBI agent if he gets his signing bonus right away so he can help uh, partially pay off his family's house. So there you go. 
I don't know. The impression was it was the mortgage, the entire mortgage. No, it's, it ain't the entire mortgage. It's only seven yeah. grand, but still, it's a, it's a good chunk of the yes, of what they have to pay in the house. Well, because the mortgage was going to be in default. Exactly. So and now we get the next episode, which, I mean, I don't, I don't think you're going to debate me on this when I say is not recognizable as an episode of Wise Guy. <laughs> because for better or for worse, they were with this past episode trying to touch on some themes that yeah. Wise Guy has been about in the past. Corru you know, that kind, not only that kind of police corruption, but specifically, like, the, how hard it is for someone to go back to living a normal life when you're thought to be a criminal. Now, it didn't really make a ton of sense, and it came out of nowhere. Like, honestly... It can't be the, like, they don't even have to do the drug thing for his sister to not want to be associated with him. Why not just bring up the fact that he was a disgraced attorney who then crawled into a bottle for five years and didn't talk to her or his niece for five years? I think that's enough reason to not want him back in the house. <laughs> but, then, but then the problem is, it wouldn't be that he was in trouble with his family because of work for, he did for the government. Uh, it, he would be in trouble with his family for him having been a shitty brother and uncle, which I guess they just don't want to do. Because he was. He didn't talk to any of these people for a, half a decade. I can't even. Well, uh, As he was wallowing in self-pity, you know? Did she say she'd seen him three years before? Oh, sorry. It, it wasn't five years. It was three years. But that's three the point. Years. Yeah, it's, it was not five years. It's three years. Because you're right. He was still... There when he, uh, he's the one who helped Vinny get put in jail. Right, right, right. But still, it's, he hasn't, they haven't heard Hyde, he hasn't crawled out of his bottle for three years or talked to them. And he's a known corrupt attorney, which unlike the stuff with Guzman, where he's working with the feds, he actually did the corrupt stuff there. Yes. So, like, she actually has a reason unrelated to the mob stuff to be mad at him. But the yeah. show doesn't want to do that, so there you go. So anyway, in this episode, uh, we get a, like, it's a long time before the plot of this episode gets going, because it's mostly just about him and Hillary's relationship, and they get back together, as you said, real fast For after him the death. totally and completely destroyed. Yeah. By his girlfriend's death. His yes. fiance's death. His fiance's death. Boy, this I tell you, that was a fast <laughs> jump back into the bed. I know, right? And adding insult to injury... In their sex scene, they're playing the song that his girlfriend was always singing. The, yeah, the, you know something? You know, <laughs> I just, I just, I managed to, I'm going, oh, I am so thankful I can just move two minutes ahead. So I don't have to watch this embarrassing crap again. I know. I, and no, I and did. I was, you made, you made the right choice. Yes, and I did miss the mother coming in on them. Yep, the mother um, comes home early and but, finds but them. But it doesn't matter yeah. because I knew that she was coming in. Yeah, and yeah, she yeah. didn't see them and this is horrible because, of course, she's... But she's got a good point. Yeah. Like, come on, Hillary, what are you doing with this guy? Yeah, he is a famously corrupt attorney, whether or not he's also a drug kingpin. You know? <laughs> you know, whether he's a drug kingpin or not, outside of everything else, and... and for heaven's sake. And honestly, had they given us any idea what this couple's backstory is? You know, like how they've known each other their whole lives and how her, it's like, 
supposedly the the Steins were involved with Guzman as well. But <laughs> you'd get no sign of that from the mother's interaction or his interaction with her. So it's like supposedly they've known each other their whole lives and they've been flirting and they finally started uh, dating when they were both working in the, um, when they were both in law school and moved on to the state's attorney's office. So it's like, but we still get none of that. And she's acting like he's just some stranger that she, uh, like basically that he's just some criminal. It's like, haven't you known this guy his whole life? Yes, but the mother, no, I'm, I'm speaking as a mother. Okay. okay, please. I'm looking at this and going, she probably had no problem when they were dating when they were both in the state's attorney's office. Yeah. But not only, not only did he destroy his own life, which was, yeah. okay, that was bad enough. But he screwed up her career as well. But he took her down as well. Of course. And that's the problem for her. Oh, no. The big problem is, is that, you know, and so he, so she's not, she wants her daughter to have nothing to do with him. And as far as I'm concerned, I can understand. No, no, but that's not my issue. My issue is not that she's right. Of course she's right to have a problem with Michael Santana and her daughter dating. My issue is that she treats him like he's just some guy she's uh, who ruined her daughter's life in that case. Not like a guy she's known for his entire life, which is what we've led to believe. Well, yeah, I know, but how are you going to fit this into the writing of this? Well, then don't put that into the writing, is my point. Uh, no, 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 because you have to have the conflict between the mother and the daughter so that the daughter... No, no, can... no, my problem is not with the conflict between the mother and the daughter. It's why do they have this extra level where they've all known each other their whole lives? You didn't need any of that. They could just be, be people who met at the uh, who met at the state's attorney's office... Right? And then, you know, uh, fell in love and blah, blah, and then he betrayed her. But the problem is, then there's no way to get her working for Guzman. And so they add in this level where she's known him and Guzman her entire life, but then nobody ever explains that or acts like it. Because they need some way to get her working for Guzman, the guy that he had a problem with. And he has this backstory with. So they add this extra backstory where she has also known him and Guzman her entire life. You know, you, you know, you just need something to talk about. What do you mean? Episodes. Well, and yeah, because nothing happens I in the episodes. Care. I know you don't care, but I just think it's worth mentioning how little effort they put into making any of this make sense. Oh, of course. That's exactly the point. It doesn't make any sense. So you can laugh here. Why do you think we're doing three episodes? Yeah, I know, I know. All right, so here's, so after all of that, the big question is, is Hillary going to go to work for her mother's firm or is she going to take a job out in LA, which of course would be away from Michael. Then when she's talking to her mother about it, she walks out into the lobby and the plot of the episode finally starts like 16 minutes into the episode or something. <laughs> Wow, uh, she runs into these three women whose husbands are all army uh, helicopter pilots who were killed in accidents. And of course, they were always told it was pilot error because that's what the army says because they don't ever want to have to pay anything out or threaten anybody. I mean, this is all uh, fun fact. This is uh, not directly based, but kind of loosely based on a real thing that happened, which is I don't remember what was wrong with the plane, but... Uh, they these planes kept crashing and killing people and the army kept saying it was pilot error when really it was the plane that was faulty 
Well, there were helicopters. Yeah, well, no, but this is, I'm talking about the specific situation. And the army, to protect their supplier and to protect the people who ordered it and to avoid lawsuits, just kept saying it was pilot error and not letting anyone have access to the plane's maintenance records because they lied and said it was top secret. And they also lied and said... Uh, the the government the government has checked all of it and we have we can affirm that there is nothing wrong with any of these planes and the technology therein. So it's like the government actively lied to courts in order to uh, protect the uh, to protect the people who were selling them their parts. So it's like this is all based on real stuff. And of course, it's not the army to blame here. It's not the army who's failing to check. Of All of its it various isn't. thing. I'm just saying in the episode, no, you, you can't blame the army under any circumstances. No, well, no the remember, real villain we've already, here. Yeah. We've already done the political stuff. We're in the middle of a war. So, of course, you can't blame the military for this. Exactly. It has to be some supplier and the guy the guy that's running the, the, the supply firm is, is a psychopath and yep. has been clearly labeled as such, but somehow or another has still managed to wheeled his way into making all of this money and then oh lo and behold doesn't doesn't um doesn't santana's father have oh yeah he uh, calls up his dad be like have you ever heard of this company and his dad's like sure we've uh, bought parts from that company and he's like boom there's my in uh so he goes and he again pretends to be the oh well, well to be fair hillary has um found a whistleblower we should, yes. we should at least mention that. Yeah, Hillary has managed to find a whistleblower who wants to talk about it. But, uh, you know... But the and, evil FBI that's no longer... No, the evil New York, Southern New York office... Southern District of New York, yeah. And sends him back in to get something and he gets killed. Yeah, he gets killed by the uh, hitman than, who works for the company. And by the way, the evil head of the company is Stephen Root. I know. Uh, <laughs> so great seeing Stephen Root. Uh, just, even if he's playing a, a one, like a three-scene scumbag, it's always just great to see Stephen Root. I love that man so much. Uh, but anyway, so Stephen Root of News Radio and a hundred other things is in here as the uh, as the evil boy. guy. <laughs> and so Michael once again plays the uh, Median cartel card. Because he goes with his father to check if they'd ever bought any parts from these guys. And, of course, they had bought these faulty parts from these guys. And so he's like, great, I've got an in. So he goes pretending to be a guy working for the Median cartel and says that uh, because of your fault, you giving us substandard parts, our plane crashed, you know, costing, you know, 40, you know losing 40,000 kilos or whatever of drugs. And he's like, dollars of drugs in the ocean. In the ocean, that's it. Yeah, $40 million worth of drugs in the ocean. And either, you know, you're going to tell me who, uh, <laughs> like, you're going to tell me who did it. Like, who's responsible. Like, I, I need someone, you're going to make this right or you're done. Because as he says, it's like, my boss is making me responsible for this, so I'm making you responsible for it. You know, the normal way how this stuff works. And so they're able to threaten the guy's hitman into testifying. And so... Uh, Stephen Root's going to jail for commissioning the murder of the wit the whistleblower, and I I don't know that the wives are going to get compensation because they go out of their way to point out that the company that Stephen Root runs because he like hides all of his money and operates on razor thin margins to get all these things he like the whole company's only worth like three million dollars so. 
I don't know how they're going to get any compensation, but they're at least happy that the guy behind the company is going to jail. Well, they weren't doing this for compensation. Well, no, but you're, I know they're not doing it for compensation, <laughs> but it's like they really should be compensated. And no, I'm the, just the point, right? That that they are they are they are people who are not in it for the money. These women, they just want it. They just don't want their husbands being blamed for this. And that's nice and all, but it would be you know better if they also had some money to help them raise their children. Well, <laughs> I, I suspect I suspect the military is going to manage that one. Yeah, because the military is famously so good at paying out compensation to people. Well, well anyway, we do. You, do you want to start talking about the decades of Gulf War syndrome and Agent Orange and what oh. the burn pit people are currently going through? Oh, don't even want to talk about it. Let's, yeah, I know. Let's just—I mean, let's I, move I, on. I just, we'll move on. We'll, we'll just—you know. Well, I, do I don't know. know whether I want to move on, but you know, I mean, this is the story here. But the story is, I mean, really, the story is just how do we oh. get, oh, wait, hold oh, on, what's we that? We didn't talk about how come they end up in the in the Southern District of New York. It's because. Oh, God, Brad how Rapid. did I? Yes. Yeah, Brad we Rapid. forgot to mention something right at the start we of the episode. Oh, yeah, the, yeah, OSB yeah, Paul. Expanded. <laughs> they're, they're breaking down because the OCB was, the whole point of it was, it was a an FBI organization that essentially used had access to the resources of any other government agency if it needed them, is what we're explaining the OCB was, because it was nominally part of the FBI. They worked for the... They're in the FBI. They work for the Attorney General. But fundamentally, and as, as Michael says, oh, you work directly for the Attorney General. What happens when, like John Mitchell, the Attorney General gets thrown in jail? He's like, it ain't the most comfortable thing in the world to hear that you're working for directly for the attorney general when sometimes they go to jail. And it's like, actually, that's a really good point. Bill Barr, for example. <laughs> well, it was who, really what's, it was well, one really year. I just want to point out one year after this episode aired, Bill Barr would be quickly, quickly brought in to arrange the pardons for everyone involved in Iran-Contra. So that when Democrats got in, they couldn't people put people in jail for all of the massive crimes that they committed, including the president. Yes. So anyway, you know, I mean, it is. I mean, they managed to get the odd dig in. Yeah, but it ain't. But it just is. It just isn't working. No. You know, it, because that's exactly what it is. Because they've got to tell this other story. Yeah. They've got to be like the story of the week, so you can't get this consistent idea yeah, of, you can't, of, it never feels like they're building to something and having this overall worldview that the show previously had and I, benefited from yes and it's yes, very frustrating I, because you know you get this scene where like uh oh and then they go and they have to work for uh the exact same terrible prosecutor who was brought in for the whole Guzman case, who's obviously going to be like the fourth character in the new version of, sorry, the fifth character in the new version of the show. The guy who's constantly yelling at them to, you know, uh, <laughs> to get a case together and bring me evidence I could use and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> this show was going to be real bad. 
And I want to point out that Stephen Cannell is writing these episodes because, uh, and I mean, this is canny on his part. He's writing these episodes because he's essentially trying to pitch a whole new show with the same characters. And fun fact about TV writing, if you write the first episode a character appears in, you are like the creator of that character and you get paid for that character being used in subsequent episodes, whether you're writing those episodes or not. Uh, ergo, he made a very smart move by making sure he was writing the episode when, like, the new DA was brought in, uh, or the U.S. attorney was being brought in, or when Billy D. Williams shows up next episode. He's the one writing those, just to make absolutely sure. Uh, so yeah, a little clever move on his part, you know, you, you can't, you've got to respect the hustle, is my point. Yeah, gotta respect the hustle, he knows. <laughs> The man is a professional, and at this point, he had been a professional for almost 30 years in this business. He knows where the money is. That's the point. Anyway, uh, so yeah, big, big uh, props to Stephen J. Canal. Anyway, uh, so yeah, they've shut it down, and so now he works, and we should have mentioned that earlier. Now he just works for the, uh, the state's attorney's office. And the crazy part is, right, the idea is that every week they're going to, like, come up with some corruption and... He's going to be, like, pretending to be a tough guy, so he's going to use quasi-legal ways to get information, and then Frank and Hillary will be there to, like, you know, yeah, actually, uh, yeah, actually prosecute the people. And then you've also, at the same time, got their boss who's going to be constantly yelling at them to, you know, do things right and make sure I can actually prosecute. And, like, having a hard time getting warrants. Like, you can see the show they want to do now, right? You can, you can see it taking shape. And it's yes. not interesting. Sledgehammer, <laughs> Sledgehammer without the humor. <laughs> yes. Well, no, because, I mean, every episode, Michael is pretending to be a goon. To, like, scare people into going to the, like, uh, going to the cops. Like, that happens in all three of these episodes. Yeah, well, in this episode, we must tell you, though, at the end of this episode, this is where Hillary gets to go become a yeah. prosecuting attorney. Yeah, she goes back to being a U.S. attorney. Yeah. She gets her job, the old job that Michael ruined for her. She does get the job back. So he is, he has made good on the damage he did to her career, kind of. I mean, she still lost that three years working for Guzman, but still, you know, it's like it's... She made lots of money track. then. She did make lots of money when she was doing that, right. <laughs> you know, She so was managing about. mutual funds, so you're right. She she yeah, doesn't she... have a lot to complain about. We saw the house she was living in in Miami. <laughs> <laughs> Women don't have a ton to complain about. No, she doesn't. Uh, but anyway, so yes, that's oh. that's where the characters are at when we, so uh, we, when get... we get to this episode. And then we get... What feels like a pilot for another show? <laughs> With B Billy D. Williams. Yeah. Like the previous episode is, is a pilot for a new show. And then this episode <laughs> is another pilot. I know. Hey. That's exactly what it feels like. Because by the time it's, the, it's it ended, at least. I mean, I will say this much. Maybe they already knew that they were being canceled. And so this is the off ramp. Yeah. For Santana. I guess. I don't know what else it is. I mean, it just, I mean, the, it's the thing. So, this is such a weird episode. Because first off, remember how uh, two episodes ago, his brother-in-law was in danger? 
you know, and they had to go looking for him and blah, and they thought he was shot and it was all, all of that nonsense. Yeah, this episode, his niece gets shot. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> they're like, no, we got to increase the stakes. Let's do the exact same thing we did two weeks ago. And why the hell his niece is in that school? They're living in that district? Yeah. Like, you did not get the sense that she is living in the poorest part of... If they were living in the poorest part of Brooklyn or whatever, why would they have so much trouble paying for that house? Like, they um, lived on a nice suburban street. There's no way she's in this nightmare school. Because oh, yeah. we're specifically told about this, that, they, they, that the mayor arranged this school district so all of the, the poorest kids with the least advantages and the least public services are all going to the same school and keeping the quote-unquote problem, i.e. non-white, kids out of the good schools. Yeah. You know, and it's like, why, why is she in this school? And it's because, well, they, yeah, they want to create personal stakes. Do you have to, though? You just did that two weeks ago. <laughs> Maybe they can just try to do the right thing? <laughs> when a kid gets shot, you know, like, it's it's frustrating. Yeah, why does it have to be his... His niece who gets shot. Oh, it could God, just well, be, come on. It could be somebody his niece knows. Could be a friend of his niece's who ended up... Who, like, lived three blocks away when they were growing up, but then her dad lost his job or went to jail or blah, 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 and ended up in the bad school, and she asked her Uncle Michael for help. There! Yeah! I fixed it without it being so contrived. Yeah, I know. Well, no, but then you wouldn't get the end, the ending. Oh, but you don't need this terrible ending. <laughs> where God intervenes to save her life, and he goes to work for Billy D. Williams. I mean, there's Michael in the chapel at the hospital. I know I haven't been really good, you know, oh, but, but no. she's one of the really, really good ones. Please, and and please, please, please make sure that 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 she lives and she's fine. And then we we switch to her, and all of us, and we switch to the nursing station where all of a sudden she's awake. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and then she had this dream, this wonderful dream of, I mean, this, I, just like, she had this dream and it was so real and it was her and her uncle Michael and they're walking on this road, the straight and narrow. I mean, this is Pilgrim's Progress all over, straight and narrow as I opposed know. to, you know, wide. Um, and that, that, that they're holding hands and they're walking down this road and and um, and then Uncle Michael says, yes, but this road is both good and bad. But if you walk it, it is the path to redemption. Oh, I know. <laughs> oh, what? Everything that exists is on this little road. And all that matters is how you walk that road. I'm like, oh, my God. But it, if it had been even put that way, it might be one. I know. Thing. But it I was. Know. Just, I mean, I'm I'm listening to this and I'm going. So what? Stephen Cannell got religion? No, I they just. No, it's, it's weird. This episode. <laughs> it was so weird at the end, and then Billy D. Williams 
decides that that he's, he's going to run for mayor to deal with the corrupt. All right, so I guess what we should get into is, and this is um, this is a, well, no, we have to talk plot. about the plot a little, which is crime is running rampant at this school, and Billy D. Williams used to be the principal of this school, and he had turned it around six years earlier, but now the new mayor has you know ruined all of the funding and destroyed the school, and so the school board wants him to come back and fix it again. And so what this is based on, right, what this is based on is there was this thing that happened. I don't know what city it is, but the whole media, uh, it happened in, but this whole, the whole media started talking about this tough as nails, may, uh, I say mayor, oh my God, a principal who was cleaning up inner city schools and like brought a gun to school with him to, to stand up to these crazy new criminal kids. It was all part of the inner city youth are subhuman super predator myth that nonsense right and it was all i mean the the movie stand and deliver has a bit of this in it there was another one i don't remember which one one had edward james almost one had um oh god how am i blanking on his name most famous actor in the world morgan freeman right playing these tough principles who were gonna who were gonna show these poor kids that if they just respected themselves they would have good lives and blah 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 Right, you know, you just got to be know, tough. Just, you got to just throw the criminals out of school. The and, 80s uh, and the 90s version, the 80s and the 90s version of the Asphalt Jungle. And, uh, you know, to Mr. Sir with love. Oh, Mr. Uh, what was his, what was his Mr. name? Mr. Chips? No, no, oh, not Mr. Chips. Which one was Mr. No, Chips? No, no, the Sidney Porchet played. Yeah, to Sir with love. To Sir with love. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the guy who comes and cleans up the, the tough school. Yeah. You know, and, uh, uh, but the thing is, because it was the 80s, the kids were gone from just being toughs to being thought as, like, absolute monsters who were all part of elaborate criminal gangs and all of this nonsense. And I'm just like, I'm not saying there wasn't drug dealing in schools. Of course there was. But, like, the way these kids were portrayed on these shows is kind of horrific. Well, it was horrific, and... and if you want to talk about the impact that culture can have yeah. on attitudes towards people yeah. and myths that get built up, that it turns out that inner city schools are no worse. Basically don't, aren't in some ways aren't as bad as some of the uh, schools outside of the inner cities. And nope. In terms of all of these issues, and I'm going crime, uh, drug use, all of this. No, it's like the, the the suburban schools are as bad or worse. The only difference is kids don't get arrested. The only difference right. is there aren't cops in all of those schools arresting the white right. kids when they commit crimes. Yeah. They're well, just like sending them home or sending them to the principal's office or sometimes expelling them. But because there are cops in the inner city schools, the kids get arrested and they say, well, now they're full of crimes. Yeah, so are the white kids' schools. You're just not prosecuting the crimes. Yeah, you're giving them the break. The you're giving them a pass. They're just kids. Because they're just kids. Well, so are the black kids. And that's where the myth of the super predator comes up, which is, no, you don't understand. They're not kids. They're all basically a different race of creature. They're all psychopaths who feel nothing about human life and blah, 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 blah. And, and that's what you get in this episode where there's a guy who's nominally a student. The actor is clearly 28 years old. Uh, who, like, is stealing a car from the parking lot. 
I know, supposed to be a student. I believe this guy was in grade 12 or uh, 13. Oh, yeah, they don't even have grade 13 in America. Oh. So there you go. Was a senior in high school. This 28-year-old guy. Like, there's just no way. But anyway, so he stabs a teacher in the parking lot uh, while stealing his car. And that's why the, and the niece witnesses it. And that's why she gets shot and blah, 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 blah. Right, and then, of course, there was a younger member of the gang who also witnessed it, and they have to go to him and say, and his brother was a guy who got caught up in the gang life, and uh, Billy D. Williams remembers that kid, and he was a good kid before the gang stuff took him, and blah, 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 and don't you want to live up to your brother's memory? And so he talks the kid into testifying against the gang, and it's all just like the most <laughs> contrived nonsense you've ever seen. It was... Oh, all I can. Like, it's embarrassing to watch. Yes, but as I said, in that myth of an inner city school is always so, so, so bizarre because it even, because when Alana, you remember Alana Morris. Alanis Morissette is who you're talking about? Yes, Alanis Morissette, right. And I can, I, I, I mean, I can still remember we were all laughing our heads off, all the, because the Americans, right, knowing nothing about, how, well, how about no about anything but America? Let's be honest. Yeah. So, oh well, she was in an inner city school. You know, it must have been tough was, growing up. Yeah, it must have been tough. Growing, well, first of all, she spent the first first two or three years in a Cat Roman Catholic school, and then yeah. she moved, which was also an inner city school <laughs> in Ottawa. Yeah. And then then she moved over to Glebe, which of course both where I went, brothers yeah. went. Um, the most upper middle class school. <laughs> most ridiculously. Upper middle class life. school on it earth. It was. It is. Yeah, absolutely. It, it was. It was second only to Lisger. Yeah. Lisger got the diplomatic kids. Yeah. Lisger is literally a school next door to the courthouse. This class, this classy two hundred year old school next to the you know the city courthouse. This and the, beautiful, and the, beautiful building. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful building, and the National Arts Center is right around and the corner. Glebe. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And, and Glebe is also this the same sort of thing, right? <laughs> and you're just it. Glebe even had a swimming pool in it for God's exactly. sake. Exactly, like it was a nice school. You know, and you're sitting there going, "Yes, but the American myth of the inner city school meant gave gave Alanis Morissette a lot of credit Cred except- with people when they were interviewing her." Yeah. Yeah, but not not in Canada because not in Canada because we know what it's went like. To school with her because your brother went to school with her, right? I know. Yeah, every morning her, <laughs> was her singing the national anthem on a recording. That's <laughs> that's a fact. Yeah, she went to our school. No, but it's like there's, there's this <laughs> myth of the inner city school being this place of nightmares. And the crazy part about this episode is they actually talk about what's really happening. Right, yeah. which is that all of the you know all of the poorest kids are being put in one place so that we can blame them like we are setting them up to fail and then blaming them for their own failure. Right, yeah. they're acknowledging that that's the situation, but then at the same time, the solution is having a gunslinger become the principal of the school and you know provide the tough love these kids need to put them in their place. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's got to be it, one or the other guys. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, and the, for the previous three years, you know, who would have been blamed the politicians, 
yep. who were who did the redistricting. Oh yeah. And they would have been that's where the focus would have been. Whereas no, it's on Billy D. Williams, the Needing tough guy to, who's then to, going to become the tough mayor. Yeah, I'm gonna be the tough mayor and be tough on crime. And maybe he'll fix the redistricting. They do say that he could do that, but fundamentally it's very frustrating. <laughs> Watching yes, well, them like, this should be about the social issue, but instead it's just about the street crime. And it's like, but that's what, the, that's what they want you to do. They want you to focus on the street crime and not address the systemic issues that are causing it. Yeah, and I mean, and after all, I mean, what, what's he going to do if he gets the Democratic nomination? Well, he'll it, was be, nice to see, yeah. it was nice to see... Um, Yes, uh, Oliver says, Platt as the uh, political yeah. consultant. Yeah, you know, Orson Welles's nephew, great nephew. Yeah, who knows? Like, so, so much is. like him. It's uncanny He's how related. much. He's related. He is okay, related. Okay, that explains why they look so much Why, so why they look so, yeah, much alike. And um, Fantastic performer, by the way, Oliver Platt. Like, no yeah. notes on anything Oliver Platt has ever done. The no. man's a genius. And... Uh, so yeah, so you know he's got this little this little bit part, but I'm just going yes. But once he gets into the demo, like you could have done. Well, no, but that's what the arc. They this actually, I mean, to the show's credit, and I mean it's only a small credit. After that god awful previous episode about the you know just taking down Stephen Root way too unrealistically quickly, this was setting up a big arc where Michael Santana was going to go and work with him to try and become mayor and deal with all the political corruption in the city. Like they yeah. were, they figured out what the arc they wanted to do and they hired Billy D. Williams to star in it. And based on the way TV works, there's probably a couple of scripts written yeah. for that arc, right? Yeah. Or there's at least outlines. There's probably scripts written for that arc. Like when we talked about the Vinny version of the garment trade. Like yeah. those scripts exist, or at least outlines and treatments exist. So there would be a way to find out what that arc was going to be like. And likewise, there was supposed to be an arc here about him working with Billy D. Williams and Billy D. Williams, of course, being threatened by various interests and having this, you know, tough criminal on his staff to try and, uh, you know, to try and keep him, right, to like keep him apprised of what the street is doing. Like it, it might have been interesting. But and the, the ethics, the ethical issues, then you might have seen with Billy D. Williams a exactly. lot of the ethical issues coming up because let me fa let, let's face it, if he wants to redistrict, they're yeah. going to talk him out of talking about that during the election campaign because, of yep. course, that's going to put all of these poor black kids back into white, nice Good white schools. schools. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and so that that would have been oh, that I, I mean, could have been interesting. It's just yeah. the way the fact that the way into it is this god awful episode about like kids with beepers in schools and Billy D. Williams staring down a drug kingpin. It's like that's not this isn't wise guy. This isn't your way into the story. And the fact that it's all kicked off by yet another threat to Michael's family just makes it all the worse. You know. And it ends so badly. With that, yeah, with the her, her waking up in the hospital and it's like his prayers being answered and you're just like, oh, God. Well, I mean, that's just like Vinny, you know? And yeah. the bells start ringing <laughs> and Frank wakes up and he's falling. But I mean, it's literally the exact same thing as the ending of yes. Brump Brump last year. Yeah. Like, 
She's not even being hyperbolic. It's literally the ending we sneered at last year. Them doing it again. Oh. And then and then he uses that quote, right? Yeah. With Billy D. Williams about why he'll go and work for him. Yes. The, the quote from his uh, his niece's dream. And by the way, them doing like when he's you know sitting over his niece's bed uh, bed and like thinking about how much he cares about this niece that again we had never heard about until two episodes ago and they tried to do the Vinny thing with her saying it's okay that people think you're bad i know you're really good and it's like when did this happen he only got back to town a week ago and the mother immediately threw him out of the house when did this scene happen and then well, by, the mother let him back into the house when everyone thought he was okay and he saved the dad. So it's like, there's no time when this scene could have even happened. Oh, God. Just <laughs> the, the struggle they're doing to try and figure out what this show is. It's just awful to watch. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It, oh. it, yeah. Uh, so they end up with the uh, handshake. Yeah, and they end with the handshake, and that's literally the last shot of the show Wise Guy. Yeah, is that handshake of Michael Santana and Billy D. Williams. Yeah, deciding to work together to try and fix New York by Billy D. Williams becoming mayor. Yes, because they've Which already you know, wiped out the, the, the corrupt the corrupt <laughs> cops in that one precinct. How hard can the rest of the city be? <laughs> How could how did. hard can the uh, cleaning up the famously corrupt New York Police Department be? Hey, 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 hey! Please, Tom Selleck did it. <laughs> oh God! Don't get me started on Blue Bloods, <laughs> the most ridiculous <laughs> propaganda to ever exist. <laughs> the most ridiculous New York propaganda. Oh, I know. It is just, I mean, I can't, I, I stopped watching it. I, I just, I was, there was one episode I was going to watch and I just, or I did watch maybe one episode last September or whenever. Yeah. The last, when they were still on before, you know, uh, Omega 3 showed up or Omega, whatever. Omicron? Omega variant showed Omicron up. Omicron is the word you're looking for. Omicron. Yes. I wish it was Omega. Yeah. Because that would be the last one. Yeah, that would be the last one. This is only Omicron. Yep. Um, we got a bunch of Greek letters left, people. <laughs> don't be too excited. Yeah, don't be too excited. When it finally gets to Omega, you can then sigh some relief. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Lord. This was, this was, I'm glad I did it. I'm glad yeah. you phoned me and said, well, do you want to do it? And I said, but I haven't watched the episodes yet. And you said, but you wanted to get, you wanted to get, get through so you wanted this to be over with. And, and so I said, okay, I'll watch them right now. And I could whip through, like you lose every episode. There's five or six minutes at the beginning. You don't have to watch. <laughs> no. So I was able to get through them pretty quickly. And I could whip through the, the sex scene and, yep. you know, so I got through them, but I'm going, oh, this is why I didn't want to watch them. Yeah. They really are that bad. Because we really... talked about, we talked about like the worst episodes of Wise Guy before. And, yeah. but these are so much worse than the worst episodes of the first three seasons. But, Again, yeah, they, never, they, yeah, they don't wrong. even feel like okay. the show. 
I yeah, they don't that. even feel like the show Frank has nothing to do. Why is Frank even there? Yeah, I have no idea. Like, cause it's it's because he's got a contract. That's why, why Jonathan is, Banks is on the show at this point. Yeah, why is Lifeguard there? Like, there's yeah. no reason for these characters to be on the show anymore. No. You know, they've they've closed off their arcs. You know, <laughs> like they've wrapped everything up, and they're not even doing anything in the episodes. They can't even figure out anything for them to do. It's it's well, frustrating yeah. watching it. Well, no, no, you know, you know, lifeguard manages to uh, man manages to do research for uh, Michael Santana. Of course, but any character could have Frank done that. Be, yes, Frank gets to be Frank gets to be the guy that Michael can go. Yeah, well, you know, when you were worried about Vinny, you're 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 the, the kettle calling the pot black. I know. Right? <laughs> He, how many times did he say that? Way too many. Episodes. Once was is, way too many. Yeah. Oh my god. Well, oh, I didn't see you. I didn't see you when you were freaking out over Vinny. I know. More than once. And yep. it's just like, you know. And then dead right. It's 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 just a show about Hillary. Yeah. Just a Michael show about Hillary really trying to there. shut down a munitions supplier who's. Getting people oh, killed, and I'm like, and it was there only so she could end up with the job yeah. in, the, in the southern. It was district. there to explain oh. why she was still going to be on the show. Like yeah. that's all that episode is for. Yep, yep. Wasting everybody's time. Oh, it was. It was a waste. Such a waste of time. Oh yeah, it really feels you know, that way. It's, and I mean, the thing with, yeah, never mind. It's over. We've done it. We've finished. We are not and going the big takeaway, no, we're not going to talk about this anymore. But I mean, the big takeaway, <laughs> the, the tragedy is that it's like, now that we've come to the conclusion that it was literally a war that ruined their chances to do something interesting. Yeah. With Wise Guy is, it's so funny to think about. Yeah, it like, is. Because it even affects this. Yeah, it does. Like Ed Wright, you know. Um, yeah. And now then that they're we, looking out for the military. And even here in changing houses, they're not they're not pushing the the government corruption stuff. No. Nope. Right? No, I mean, oh, they well, they've just got a bad mayor. So but it's like, yeah, but the bad mayor ain't the focus of the episode. It's nope. the black drug dealers that are the focus of the episode. Yeah. You that, know? And, and it exactly shouldn't it. be. And they're not the ones caught, they are a symptom, they are not the problem. Because the whole show, and I mean it actually did a lot of this, which is uh, talking about how, you know, oh, the drugs, you know, you're the ones causing, like, uh, people, uh, well, what's his name? Billy D. Williams says to him, it's like, you know, people like you bringing the drugs in, that's what's causing this. It's like, you're as much responsible for this evil as the people who actually pulled the trigger, or in this case, stabbed a dude, right? Yeah. And saying that, I'm like, no, that's <laughs> the only bad guy here is the poverty that's been created by the system. Yeah. And the show almost acknowledges that, but then it goes back to this war on drugs crap. Yeah. As if that ever solved anything. And it's like, it's so, it makes it so frustrating to watch. Well, the entire war on drugs movement, right? Like, ever since that information, that information, oh my God, that audio clip of, um, was it Haldeman? Which one of Nixon's guys was it? Of him just talking about how the war on drugs was always just a lie to yeah. keep people from talking about economic and social issues. 
Sure. It's so hard to go back and watch all of this fiction that talks about the drugs destroying our communities. And it's like, no, man, bankers are destroying your communities and people are just doing drugs because there's nothing else to do. Oh, I mean, just think about... Oh, and then there was those horrible... What he did with Fannie Mae and those horrible mortgages that they allowed people to take. Oh, absolutely. You know, these with a negative interest rate mortgage. I know. Uh, I mean, there's a whole bunch of stuff that's just... This evil stuff that destroyed all these communities. Yeah. Right? All of this stuff that destroyed these communities. Outsourcing, making it so there were no jobs. And at the same time, the government, like, not doing anything to stop. They're like, well, all of manufacturing is going to leave America. Okay, so no one who lives in a city is going to have a job in two years. Correct. What are you doing to prepare for that? Nothing. (laughs) Like... Like, why do you think these cities ended up like this? It's all money that did it, but they lied and they said it was drugs. The drugs gave them someone to blame. Conveniently, foreigners to blame. But as they said, like, we started pretending drugs were an issue because people thought all leftists do pot and all black people do heroin. So if we just make pot and heroin the most evil things in the world, right? Well, then we can just kick down the door of anyone we don't like anytime we want because we'll just say they're drug users. Like, this is the actual position of the United States government. They decided to pretend that drugs were destroying America so they could persecute leftist and black liberationists. That's it. it's, it's It's just a horrible thing. Everybody go back and read Chomsky. Yeah. Just go back. I know we talk about manufacturing consent a lot here, but that's only because it's the most important thing everyone has to read. Yeah. We gave it to my grandson. Yeah. It's all right there. That's the thing. Like, it's all right there. Everything you see on the news, everything about how society is organized, he lays it out perfectly clearly. Like, there is no mystery to why any of this stuff is happening. And these last episodes of Wise Guy are part of that. Yep. You know, the problem is not that the United States government uh, discards its military, like its soldiers, the second they're going to cost them money instead of make them money. You know? Yeah. The minute the uh, soldiers start costing too much money, they abandon them. No, that's not the problem. The problem is one corrupt parts dealer. Oh, okay. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Like, the problem is not that... Uh, that policing, that the culture of policing is so, we are the authority we get to do ever want, that it's almost inevitable that they become corrupt. The problem is like, oh, it's just 12 guys. Yeah. It's just 12 guys who take bribes from Tony Rosato. You know? (laughs) And here... The problem, they almost talk about how, no, the problem is the hollowing out of the inner cities and the fact that the government has left these all, invited all these people to move to the cities to do the jobs, then took all the jobs away, and then said, you're on your own. That's the problem. But we're going to say, no, it's the black gangs. It's the drug dealers. They're the problem. It's frustrating. I'm getting angry talking about this. Yes, I think we need to We'll wrap this up. We will wrap this up because... And no, because it does bring up all those and it's only your frustration and your anger 
and you're getting angry about this is because Canel did so much better for the first three years, even if the third year was a little very problematic in a bunch of places. But taking on that, that taking as much as I hate those, that arc, I hate it because I hate it. Yeah. But the, the, the white supremacist arc is probably the most important arc of we haven't talked about that because we said we were going to do that near the end. But all I can say is that because we didn't, we haven't done our, okay, Good. let's rank them and all the well, other. No, but that's what we're doing at the end. Like once we've watched the movie, we're going to do an episode that is our goodbye to wise guy episode. Okay. Because to me, the most important episode is the white supremacist episode. The arc. Yeah, I mean, the it's arc. like. The, well, yeah. and that's the thing about the show is yeah. the show didn't shy away. I mean, no. it didn't always go after systemic issues, but it didn't shy away from them either. Yeah. Right. And fundamentally, the white supremacist arc was the one that had the most to say about systemic issues. Yeah. And that is why, in many ways, it's the most impressive thing the show did outside of the first season. Yeah. You know? And well, in it, a way, well, it's the most focused thing the show ever did, period. Because that is four episodes with no filler. That is just all, all content after content after content. Just pump. Yeah. Um, and it is, <laughs> but why I say, yeah, I mean, I say it may not be the most impressive. It may not necessarily be the best. We, I mean, you can talk about it, but the most important, yeah. because of the issues it was dealing with 30 years later. Are still I mean, super relevant. I mean, here the potential would be to deal like, but yeah, I mean, they, it's still issue oriented, but yep. it feels like, oh, you could watch any other show and get that the same kind of thing. It would be different, a little bit different, but they'll, they'll be a one off dealing with the issues, and then everything is fine at the end of the issue. Yeah, and you yeah. never got the the you never got the sense that at the end of the steel grave arc or at the end of the rag trade arc or at the end of any of the arcs that the problem was completely gone away. Yeah. Whereas the, the white supremacy arc, the ending is we've solved nothing. Yeah, that's exactly what the ending is. Yeah. Is we've solved absolutely there's nothing the police can do to deal with post-industrial despair yeah and because the government uh, isn't giving them answers they're looking for answers elsewhere and the white supremacists are showing up to give them those answers yes and fred fred did a wonderful trump his, 30 years his Trump early. is perfect. It's 20, just, as you say, 30 years early, he was yeah. doing this perfect 20, Donald 25 Trump. 25 years early. Doing yeah. the Fred Dalton Johnson. Later yeah. a senator. Yeah. Later a senator. And that little scandal, which is, uh, well, it wasn't a real scandal, but people were like, he's going to run for president. Are people going to be showing clips from Sky? <laughs> but he, that never ended up happening because he was not much of a candidate for president. Well, yeah, no. He had, yeah, no. didn't have... Enough of a marquee value. No, he really didn't. I mean, he, he had been the DA on Law and Order. Yeah, he was. He was. He had just been the DA on Law and Order. You know, he wasn't. He wasn't a beloved, nationally uh, thought of, well celebrity. 
until, uh, yes. Anyway, except, ex I mean, and Ronald Reagan managed to weather the divorce from father knows best's wife, you know, yeah, Jane Wyman. His first wife. Yeah, his yep, first divorced guy, and he still got the Christian vote because he was super racist. <laughs> anyway, and he but was that's another conversation. He was an informant for the FB for the um, Carthy House on American Activities the, Committee. The, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. All that sort of head stuff. head of the union oh, and uh, oh. ratted out people to the. Oh, he. Right. It's like how can you be both like in charge of a union and vast like openly against all leftist organizing. Well, yes, but th but then, you know, um, he could take his cues from the mine workers union. Oh, well, yeah, that's another And the transportation unions. This, yeah. You know, okay, so. you, you're actually making a strong point there. Yeah, let's, All right, so uh, let's we're going to be back early. here. Okay. <laughs> we're going to be back here next week to talk about Wise Guy the movie. Again, you can't find this anywhere except on YouTube. Like, you can't buy it. It's not on any streaming service. Luckily, uh, Canal Fan 4587 their YouTube channel has it there so you can watch it there and I would encourage you to do that it's Ken Wall is back it is written by Joel Cernow the creator of 24 uh, mm. and longtime writer of the Equalizer episodes it's not written by anyone who actually worked on Wise Guys so if you're notice, going to notice some tonal stuff that might come up uh, <laughs> and it stars um, Ted Levine is the, mm -hmm. the villain so Ted Levine, who, I mean, he's one of my favorite actors. So I, I look forward to watching this again. I don't know if it's going to be any good, but I'm definitely interested in seeing it again and talking about it with you next week. Okay. And we'll let you know what we think. <laughs> All right. Uh, so yes, thanks as always for listening. If you have any questions, if you have any comments, if there's any profiling related fiction you'd like us to check out, drop us a line at profilingcriminalminds at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. If you were listening to this on some sort of an app or podcatcher, be sure to rate and review it. That's how new people find the show. We'll see you back here next week for the big, the last piece of Wise Guy Media. And then a, probably the second really last episode of this show. Thank God we still have the regular show. Uh, <laughs> uh, so we'll see you back here for that. But until then, we'll say that's right. Au revoir. And there's lots more Korean TV. Profiling Criminal Minds is a member of the Kinks Podcasting Network.